I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created this space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Enjoy. Hello there. I hope you've all had a lovely week. I'm just going to mention the event that I keep talking about over on Instagram. So basically it's a reason for us all to get together and listen to Birth Stories Live. So I'll be interviewing a couple of my past guests and new guests um, about my past guests about their subsequent births. They've since given birth to little babies and I really want to share their stories. One of them was a really traumatic experience first time around and her second birth experience was so much more positive. So I really wanted to share her story in uh in a in a nice setting um rather than just chatting over zoom so i'm really looking forward to that one and i will be speaking to some midwives as well mainly about the reason why they went into midwifery and also speaking about some of high, the highlights of their careers to date so i'm really looking forward to that it's going to be a really safe environment it's not really going to be like we're not going to be talking about medical stuff it's just going to be a morning to chat about birth at the beauty of it and how it can unfold for different people. So on to this week. So sorry, I will release tickets for that in July. So if you want me to include you on the subscription list to hear more about it, send me a DM and I'll pop your, I'll include your email on that list. So to move on to this week's guest, Jennifer shares her one pregnancy and the birth of her little boy, Jimmy. So Jennifer moved back from Australia at about six months pregnant. She talks about she they were they bought a house they were moving into a house she was staying with her parents-in-law at the time and um, so it was a bit of a tough time trying to trying to manage everything and then preparing to welcome her baby into the world she was induced at 37 weeks they thought her baby was quite small they broke her waters and at this stage they realized there was cord prolapse so Jennifer was rushed down to have an emergency cesarean birth um under general anesthetic so a lot went on in a really short space of time and a lot for anyone to process. So her little boy Jimmy was in hospital for 10 days and she was in hospital for a week. So she talks me through all of that, all of the emotions surrounding that, how she has processed what she went through and something I think that has stuck with me from our conversation is how she felt after waking up from the general anaesthetic. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. Jennifer is also studying uh, hypnobirthing. She's just recently qualified, sorry. So I have tagged her page in the show notes here. So go over and have a look at her page. If you want to ask her any questions as well, which she said she is more than happy to answer. So thank you, Jennifer, for sharing your story. And I will chat to you all next week with a new episode. Jennifer, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Hey, nice to be here. Thank you yeah. Not at all. I'm delighted to chat to you tonight. Thanks for your patience last night. I know we had to change schedules, but I think tonight is the right night to have this conversation. Yeah, definitely, yeah. 
So do you want to just give us a little introduction to you and your family? Um, yeah, so I'm Jen. I'm living over in Walkinstown. I'm originally from Finglas. Um, myself and Peter are here in Walkinstown with our one and a half. He's just one and a half now. You're all boy, Jimmy. Um, we actually were only here since Jimmy is born. We uh, we came back from Australia just when I was, um, how long was I pregnant? Six months. Okay. From Australia, six months pregnant in 2020. Uh, yeah, so that was a lot. But we got there. My aunt is in Walkinstown and every time I drive, I'm like, no, I don't need to. I don't need to put it into Satnav. I know which turn to take. And honestly, like I'm in and out, like going back on myself constantly. I'm brutal. Big area as well, though. Um, I'm kind of more of the crumbling end of Walkinstown and um, that roundabout. That roundabout. Yeah. And I think I have it nailed. I'm like, no, 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 it's not going to defeat me. I'm going to do it. No, every time it gets me. <laughs> road, I have to go to like, I don't know how many different traffic lights I go by. Yeah. So let's talk about your pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. So I found out I was pregnant in um it was April 2020. Um I had I, look, it wasn't planned, but it wasn't I don't really know if it was unplanned either, but I came off the pill probably it was Christmas 2019. Just for personal reasons. I was like, mm. look, it's not working anyways at this stage. It was kind of I was up and down like I was just on it that long and I was kind of saying to myself oh god well what if like you know what if you get pregnant because I was in Australia we were like we were just kind of messing about you know like we weren't really serious trying to look for careers or anything over there and I was like well what if it happens and I was like look if it happens it happens but it won't but it did (laughs) very very quickly so um yeah we found out in April 2020 um we kind of like I didn't really know what to do over there like I it was never something I suppose I was very naive I was just like what do I do do I go to a doctor so we went over to a doctor there they just kind of gave us around about kind of due date I think they told me it was like the end of December I would have been due um I knew I wasn't going to stay we kind of because it was the very very start of COVID we we kind of said look we're gonna go home I hadn't got a job then at that time my job had closed down I was working in an office at the time and they had closed down so it wasn't looking very likely that um we were gonna get our jobs back around like that so we kind of decided to come home but didn't know when we were going to come home so I was doing um kind of the the the, the health care over there okay for August um I'm kind of gone blank here so what does it look like over there so do you go in for like a 12-week scan and do you see your GP and stuff? I've done an early scan as well because I I had a bit of bleeding as well I done an early scan and uh, everything was fine they just said that can happen it's pretty normal but you know it's it doesn't look anyway anyway and um, serious so yeah, we'd done a 12-week scan and then they kind of just left me from there. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, I was doing a couple of doctor's appointments, but nothing major. And then I think because they knew I was going home, they were yeah, yeah. kind of go from there like when I got home. But I ended up doing the 20-week scan there because by the time I got home, uh, quarantine, done the whole isolation for two weeks, then got kind of registered with it with a hospital here it would have been like 25 weeks or so okay. but um so I ended up doing a, a 20 week scan there found out that I was having a boy um and then I think then it was like 20 the, the, the 24th week I came home here and pregnancy was all was all fine um Oh, I'm just after thinking of something there now as well. Before I found out I was pregnant, I had to go and get a lump checked in, I think it was the right, the right breast. And then they said, look, it's fine for now. I think, oh no, sorry. Then I had found out I was pregnant. I rang that professor that I was speaking to and she said, look, because you're pregnant now, just wait until after you have your baby to do the... Um, 
biopsy. So there's no point in doing it now. Wait till afterwards, then you can do the biopsy. So I explained that then when I got hit back to Dublin. They said, no, you shouldn't have waited. I had to do a biopsy then while I was still pregnant. That was around, that was around 30 weeks. Okay. Uh, in the, the matter breast clinic. So then I was being checked. I was being monitored then every week. You know, if you kind of have a special, special circumstance, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, they kind of bring you in then weekly just to kind of monitor the baby, monitor everything else. I got the all clear from the, from the biopsy. I suppose when I got back here then, I it was all kind of go then because I was in every week rather than going down to a doctor, say every, what is it, every couple of weeks you go then towards the end of pregnancy. And how did you feel? Were your, was it, were your anxiety levels heightened? Because you had a lot going on. You, you just moved back. You then had to... It was, yeah, it really was at the time. It, I, I was taking it easy kind of until I got home because then myself and Peter moved into this house but we were we were redoing the whole house. It was it was an old build. We needed to get new electricity. We needed to get new plumbing. Um, but me and Peter had it in our head that we were going to be like in a new home by the time Jimmy was born. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> room to improve and turbo. <laughs> yeah. And you'd hear like in this room ripping down ceilings. Oh God. Oh my God, we're not going to be in there. <laughs> so then we had to move around to Peter's mom's. Then um, that was around oh, that was around yeah the start of October, and Peter was still optimistic. He was like, "No, no, no, we'll be in, we'll be in." And I was like, oh, "I'm kind of having me doubts now." Um, so that's when I kind of started getting very panicky. I was like, "I just use your breathing techniques and all that." Now I was kind of doing a little bit of hypnobirthing. Okay. Looking back now, I I done like a smidgen to what I know what it is now. Um, I had done a couple of, I had done a, a, a little, like, you know, like a day course. And then I had read a book. Then I had done affirmations, all that kind of looked up a lot. But I never done the full course with, okay. with an instructor. I think it was more so because it was all over Zoom. And I wanted Peter there, but he was here working in the house. So, looking back now, yeah, I should have done a lot more study in it as well because there's just so much that you can learn and it's it's really, really brilliant what they do. But there is, it can be hard to know where to start though and what's right for you because hypnobirthing isn't necessarily right yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Mm. Um. So, what am I up to now? So about the 30 week mark. So did you do anything else? Like physically, did you do yoga or did you do anything to kind of, no, no. so you were probably on the go all the time. I would have rather do all that stuff in person. Like, yeah, I was doing all the antenatal classes online. With It would have been so much better doing it in person and, and say with Peter as well. Um, mm. You know, he was kind of coming in in the evening time when I was around in his mum's and he was trying to catch up on what I was doing. But sure. then I was like, knackered and I just kind of wanted to go to sleep then at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, right, I've done my bit. But um yeah, I didn't be I don't know, because everything was so closed off at the time. It's weird thinking about it now because I was like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I? And I was like, oh yeah, because it was kind of all shut down. Like there was nothing you could really do, you know? Yeah, yeah. So when did things with the house did you get the house ready in time? No. No, okay. But we did move in Christmas Eve. That was okay. weeks after Jimmy was born. But um God, I was going to say something there now and I forget what it was. Oh yeah. It kind of all started to kind of go like a lot of people were telling me, Oh, you're still really small for the say for, for, for the week you are. And yeah. I don't know, like I was just a bump, you know. And then even I went to I can't remember what week it was, but it was pretty late on. I'd say it was around 45 weeks. And my doctor said, oh, like you're measuring quite small. I'm going to send you in for a growth scan. Now, I didn't know, is growth scan, is that a special kind of thing you have or does everybody get one? It would, they'd, they'd, not everyone gets one. Right. But there's not a lot. They're not uh, that precise the further on your pregnancy yeah 
So then when I went in for the growth scan, the, the midwife had said, like, oh, it's all looking okay to me. And I said, oh, okay, because the doctor had mentioned about induction. And I think I kind of just skipped that whole part because I, in my head, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to have an induction. Like, it'll all be natural. I was kind of going, I'm not even going to have, um, I was trying to say, like, I wouldn't have, any kind of drugs, pain relief, I'll do it, I'll do it all myself. But um, I don't know, when you look back and all that kind of thing, you're like... <laughs> but um, then I got the results of this growth scan. He was measuring quite small. And I was actually brought into the hospital when they gave me the results of the growth scan. And the, the mid... Do you call her a midwife? One that kind of just sees you on the... On a normal wife nurse. So she said, look, we're probably going to look at induction tomorrow. I was like, oh. And this was then 27, 27 okay. weeks. Uh, and I was like, no, no, no. I need time to think about this. I kind of just went from zero to 100. So he was measuring too small. Uh, she said he's only about five pounds. But I don't know, to me, in the last couple of weeks, a baby puts on like a lot of weight in the last couple of weeks. So I was, I don't know, and even anybody that I asked, they said, yeah, five pounds, it would be kind of an okay weight, I suppose. It's not, it's not a bad, it's not a, an unhealthy weight, I, I suppose. But I remember she says to me, if you, if you carry on, his head will continue to get bigger and his body won't. And she was quite condescending, like she was saying, well, you could be looking at a stillbirth if you don't do this. And I was like, oh, geez, okay. You know, so then that was like panic set in. And I was like, well, if I don't do it, I'm the worst. You know, I'm, I'm causing risk. And well, because I was after being kind of looking at a couple of things with hypnobirthing, I was like, oh, God, this is what they kind of tell you to look out for and ask this and ask that so I asked all the questions I was saying like look what what's the risks and whatever now they obviously said like you could be looking at a stillbirth I would they were saying no we wouldn't we wouldn't advise you to to just wait wait it out because obviously I was still in Peter's mom so I was like we're in a small little room I didn't want to be um I didn't want to be going back to the house with with Jimmy living in the room I kind of wanted to wait it out in their house and kind of have their house and all done but um yeah I ended up doing the uh, induction it wasn't the next day though I said look I'm gonna have a day or so to think about it and I'll ring you back and I'll see if I want to do it or not so I rang the next day I asked a couple of more questions I can't even remember now what the questions were but then even when I was so that was I think that was a tourist day I went in on the, on the Saturday. That was Saturday the 5th of December. And I went in Saturday morning at like 8 o'clock in the morning. I was, I was quite worried then because I remember like the, the, the Friday night before I went in, I was up all night like crying and I was like, I just, I feel like something was going to go wrong. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's just me kind of looking at, looking at things very negatively I suppose but um yeah I was just like I can see just just ending ending bad and I was like and Peter was saying to me like well what 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 do you think is gonna go wrong like what do you think is gonna happen I was like I just think I'm gonna have a section and I didn't want the section now again looking back in hindsight a section isn't the worst thing in the world it's it's nothing to be scared about it's nothing to be ashamed about anything like that um but yeah, so I was awake all night. I went in Saturday morning. They had told me to be there at seven. And I was waiting down there till about eight. I was waiting in the reception till about eight o'clock for somebody to come down. And I went up to the ward and I, I was still saying when I went up to the ward, look, I don't know if I'm going to stay here. And they were kind of laughing at me going, no, if you're in, you're in, like you're staying here. And I was like, wait, wait, just give me a couple of more minutes. So, and so you must have felt, um, 
considering that you hadn't slept all night and you were really nervous about going in, saying goodbye to Peter must yeah, have been really hard then. Because that's another thing I asked when, when I went in for the appointment the, the, the couple of days before. I said, is I asked everything really about the induction, what way it was going to go, um, what they do. And I was saying, can Peter be there with me? And she said, no, look. Um, she actually said, no matter what, even if it wasn't COVID and restricted visiting, um, your partner would still only be allowed in visiting hours. But just that visiting hours at the time were restricted. I think it was, God, it was only about two hours, I think, at the time. So it was from four, <laughs> four to seven, three hours um, at the time. So that was, for, yeah, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. So I was there from 7 till like about four o'clock on my own. So they done the... Um, I was waiting there and waiting there, and then she talked me through what she was going to do. It was like, yeah, you know, like a, a pessary, I think it's called. I get mixed up with all the, the medical the medical terms. Um, so it was a pessary. So she put that in. It was. She said, you might feel a little bit of pain, kind of in a couple of minutes, but it's all um, it's all normal. It's not it's not too bad. The pain, it's kind of just like a period pain. So she put it in and straight away like I got really hot I started to sweat and I was like oh my god this is bad this is hurting me and she's like no it's fine and I said no I know I've passed out in a couple of other times like I, I don't know just I don't know I've got like a low iron or something like that and I said I was sitting I was lying down on the bed and I said I think I'm going to pass out and she's no you're fine and then with that I passed out so I remember waking up I was like pump and sweat there was a couple of nurses around they were like yeah okay okay and I was like I was like get this out get it out like I don't want it in it's killing me and she said no no you just kind of had a reaction to it you'll be fine then I vomited um and then I kind of calmed down and um, I had a, whatever a glass of water or whatever and I was sitting there and I still said like, this is still really really painful um are you sure I'm not having some sort of reaction to it like I didn't know I thought I was like allergic or something I didn't know so um so when you say painful it was it was it like period pains or was it like like a constant pain or was it like did it feel like contractions pain in my stomach pain in my back and then I just you know like a kind of a rush then and then I was I was so I was sweating and really hot I can't even describe the pain now because I can't even remember it but yeah I just remember stomach and back and like low like lower lower stomach too um like way worse than a period pain so it was left in anyways and I was like okay fine just kind of get through it then it it, it did it did kind of wear off I suppose but I could still feel it I could feel it kind of all day then in me bum and then the midwife said, yeah, that's that's known to happen. It's probably just pressure kind of in your like kind of bum. And then all day, like it kind of, the day kind of, I suppose, yeah, it did fly by for the amount of time I was there without Peter. And then I was just kind of on my phone. I was watching a couple of films, listening to the affirmations. I had a playlist. I, I, I done out a playlist. I was listening to that. And then I was kind of saying, right, these these pains, like, they were pretty painful, I suppose, but they just kept telling me that they were normal. So I was like, okay, Peter got there and that was fine. Um, he stayed for a couple of hours. We just, you know, we were just sitting there, like you couldn't really do anything. Now we were just in a, in a ward as well with, with other women. So other women were coming and going and I didn't, obviously I didn't know what was going on because it was my first time being pregnant, first time ever going into into labor there was like women beside me screaming and it was like it's not something that you want when you're trying to prepare yourself I suppose I mean what do you know what I mean like I was glad I was like yeah let it out let it out like, and, uh, yeah so they were kind of being carted off and that was that that was kind of going on through the whole day um then yeah Peter had to go that was about nine o'clock um I was just kind of sitting there I was kind of like oh I just want them back I wanted to kind of get things going because I just wanted somebody familiar there with me it was such a 
looking back now because I'm I'm studying hypnobirth and I'm going oh yeah no wonder you felt like that because like it was a it was a bright environment to be in it wasn't familiar you were kind of just you know it was I was being monitored as well every mm. so often okay you were kind of restricted like I wanted to have like say a shower or a bath but I don't know it just felt a little bit uncomfortable because mm. we had to go down the hall it was like a pub there was a shower but it was like in a big kind of communal area um yeah then it kind of got to midnight and through those early hours the 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 midwife was coming in kind of checking up on me and she she just because I didn't really familiarize myself with induction and kind of the drugs that you'd be you'd be um given yeah that's gonna go off I didn't know if that was going to go off that beeping um, <laughs> I didn't familiarize myself with kind of like stuff that you'd be asked to take and then the pain was kind of getting to me that much and yeah I was on my own so I couldn't I didn't have anybody to make a decision for me because they say like you can give your birth partner they kind of take over the role of decision making and whatever things like that um she just offered me what's that one called the petadine the petadine yeah um I think she put it in she put it in my bum and yeah the pain went away I was able to sleep for about three hours or so mm. She examined me, I think, once before that. And, you know, you get, you think because the pain is that excruciating, the pain is that intense, you think, oh, my God, like, I'm well on now. I'm going to be, like, five centimetres or so. She was like, here, you're one centimetre. I was like, what? And she's like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she goes, like, Jen, if you consider, this will always, always stick with me. She said, if you consider what way your cervix was before, it was long, hard, now it's short, it's soft, it's red. She goes, it's after doing lots of work, like, you know, give yourself a bit of credit. And I was like, oh, okay. So she says, like, that's that's one of the hardest parts, like, done. So then after the petadine, I was three centimetres, I think. Yeah, I was three. But even still, like, you know, you kind of feel a bit hard done by her, like, oh, my God, I thought I'd be well on by now. But then she said, look, I can... That was another thing. I was like, I wanted to just let everything kind of happen naturally. But then at this stage, I was like, I don't think anything's going to happen naturally at this stage. So just go with it. She said, I can break your waters. And I was like, oh, I didn't really want to do that. And she said, why? I said, I just didn't. And she said, but then Peter will be able to come in. So they kind of dress it up in this kind of nice. And I was like, well, then if Peter can come in, do it. Let's do it. Like, she said, you can go to the birth suite and, you know, we, we can call Peter. She said, you can call Peter and all there beforehand. So... I was like, great, do it. So out of my two children, Eva is naturally the most curious. She wants, she's in at everything. She wants to see what's in every press. She wants to see how every toy works. It's just into everything. And although it's, it's just a new way of parenting that I didn't have with Oliver. I just had to be prepared for this child who needs constantly who's being stimulated constantly. So say hello to Brain Building with Panda Crate. It's exactly what I needed. It's a subscription service for Play Essentials designed just for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 24 months. It's created by play experts at KiwiCo in partnership with Seattle Children's Hospital. Panda Crate is thoughtfully designed with care to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. Panda Crate is a science-backed, research-based approach to play and recognises that there's more to babyhood than the milestones itself. So within the Panda Crate, there was lacing beads. So Eva can sit down and do something like a jigsaw, but she'll have it done really quickly. And she, with the lacing beads, it takes her just a couple of minutes and she has to use both hands so she can really explore each piece, thread the shapes onto a string and develop bilateral coordination. Really, really handy. And also there is a peg puzzle. So it's another way to solve shapes and it's nice. They're nice wooden, robust toys. They're easy to clean, nice solid shapes. And I find the other toys that you put for her anyway, to put, uh, say, a block into something is far too easy. So the peg puzzle was just really ha- handy. It challenged her a little bit more than the others. 
whether you're a first time parent or not, Panda Crate provides a way to simplify the early years with just right products to support your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life. Countless errors go into creating the playthings in this box. KiwiCo designers ideate, iterate and prototype test, review and revise. And then they do it all again. So every material, colour, angle and curve is a thoughtful choice designed to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. And as I mentioned before, you can really see that in, especially with the pieces in the peg puzzle. Unlock brain building play and create a foundation for early learning with Panda Crate from KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping with code IRE birth at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com with promo code IRE birth. On to the rest of this week's episode. So when she broke the wars, people say, oh, it's never a gush. It's never against that. This was... And the midwife explained as a tsunami, okay? I was lying in the bed and I would just remember a puddle all around me. I had my phone. I had my phone. And whichever way, I must have dropped my phone. My phone was floating. I grabbed the phone, put it on the table. And she was like, oh, my God. Even she was shocked. She explained it to me later on, like the next day as a tsunami. She was like, never seen that move the water. So she said, this is when it all kind of turned pear-shaped. She said, um... Oh, right. So they were monitoring me then as well. At this stage, she had that monitor thing on, on my belly for the heartbeat. So she said, um, oh, this is another thing. Oh, she just sticks in her and she's like, oh, the baby didn't like that. Go on your side. Another thing, actually, I had the gas and air at the time because I said, oh, I don't know if the if breaking the waters is going to hurt. She said, I'll give you gas and air. I said, right. Okay. So I had the gas and air. And I think when I took a hit of that, it didn't really faze me when she said the baby didn't like that tone on your So I was just like this, fine. Like, what's going on? I didn't really, I was kind of a bit, well, I don't know, airy fairy. So, so. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An alarm went off. She was calling people in. She was like, kind of started to... I don't know, shout a little bit. She was like, on your side, on your side, on all fours. Um, I didn't know what was going on at this stage. I think the gas and air wore off. I just Did you, were you still having surges all throughout this? 
Yeah, like yeah, yeah okay. I said, look, I probably shouldn't have been doing this either. I said, I'm timing contractions here. But she kind of, I don't know, glazed over that and just said, no, like they wouldn't be. They were consistent though. I always said it. I was like, they're consistent, but because I was induced, they say they are kind of. Some of them can be consistent, and they'll be more intense than say a surge that didn't wasn't in induction. So. I don't know. I don't think I was in actual active labor either. It was probably just fear induced and you were a little bit more intense. So then I just remember I was back on my back. She put her hand up and it was the pain was excruciating. I was like, get oh, I screamed. I was screaming the place down. And this was still women all over the ward. And I was like, effing every course going. Probably called her a couple of names. I was like, "Stop it! Get away from me! Like, get away!" And there was people coming into the room still at this time. And she was like, "Jen, I have to do this. I have to do this." Um, I still didn't know what was going on. Going on. She she was kind of going, "Look, I have to do this. Like, it has. It's um an emergency or whatever." So while she was stopped, another person had a go put their hand up and I was still going why has everybody got their hands up my vagina at this stage then they brought in a, a wheelie bed told me to get on all fours there I was carted off out of the ward down the corridor with with a person with their hand up so I'll explain now so what it was was yeah yeah it called prolapse at the time hadn't got a clue what it was was looking it up so it's when it can happen when there's obviously does it is a kind of a thing called too much waters, which probably was from why it happened to me. Um, it can happen when there's an artificial rupture of the membrane, which was breaking the waters. Um, but it's very rare. Like yeah. it happened one, I think in one in five hundred bits. So yeah, very rare. Like I don't want to be scaring anybody here. That I was kind of reluctant to actually come on and even then talk about it. But so it's when the cord slips through, forced, um, and the cord gets kind of squashed either by the baby's head, something like that, and stops oxygen going to the brain and can cause uh, brain damage, stillbirth. Um, I, think, I think that's it. It, it can cause either one of them um so yeah that's why the the reason the midwives had their hand up was to push jimmy's head back up to release the cord okay so i was being wheeled down and they were like right uh theater theater that's all i heard and i was like oh this is going to be a section and i was like and you were still contracting throughout all of this on all fours. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just so painful because oh, they had their hands yeah. there. And I was like, yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't know what I thought was going on. I thought I was being split in two or something. I don't know. Anyway, we got into theatre. They said, look, Jen, do you consent to a section? Still, they, they still didn't kind of say this is why. And I understand why they didn't. But what was going on in my brain is like, what is going on here? I remember saying, is this actually happening? Is this actually happening? And they were just like, do you consent? I said, yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't realise, I had made a birth plan as well to say, look, if this goes ahead, um, a section, I want to be, I don't want to have the court up. I want to see what's going on and stuff. I wasn't afraid of a section. I was like, but if it does happen, mm. I don't want, I, I still want to see everything that's going on. Um, then, I don't remember them saying, but I'm sure they did. And I kind of just went, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like eight different doctors around running in and out, whatever. Then, so they obviously put a mask on and that was for general anaesthetic. I didn't know. I, I, I must have known. I must have said, yeah, that's okay. So I just remember then waking up. Um, I woke up. There was a doctor there and I was like, what the hell is happening here? Um, he said, do you know what happened? And I said, no. I was like, sorry, before all that, I was kind of saying, get Peter, get Peter. I want 
together and I think they were going like no no time for Pierre <laughs> like you know so I think somebody somebody did ring him because then when I did wake up I was like where's Peter I kind of went like that and looked felt me belly and I was like it's kind of flat and like I was like where what's going on you know because you're still kind of coming around from the general anesthetic and whatever else they put in me but um they said Peter's gonna come in now um your baby is in the NICU. He so that's when they explained kind of cord prolapse, all that business. And I was like, okay. I was like, is he going to be all right? And they were saying, yeah. Look, it's really positive. Um, just we're going to kind of get you out of here. You'll see Peter and get you into your own room and whoever else will be up with you then. Uh, so then the we got wheeled into our own room. It was it was nice because Peter was able to actually stay there. I know at one point when we were being wheeled down to the room, they said you're gonna have to. He was there for like, Jesus, three minutes, and they said you're gonna have to go because you're not allowed here. Peter said I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm I'm not leaving. I'm not going. And one of the other nurses just said no. Look, let me into the room. Like they they haven't got a clue what's going on. So we were in that room. I think it was like. That, at that point, it was probably six o'clock in the morning. This all happened at about quarter past four. Quarter past four in the morning. And Jimmy was born. Jimmy was actually born at 44 minutes to five. So he was born at like four, four, four in the morning. And I was like, oh, that's a nice little angel number if you're into all that kind of thing. So um, I gathered then afterwards the nurse had told me that from having me waters broke to when Jimmy was born, they'd done all that in like, I think she said 12 minutes. That's like pretty spectacular. It's amazing how quickly they can do it and, I mean, save a life because if it had been any longer, just God knows what would have happened. But anyway, the professor came in, she explained everything. She said, look, we were actually not going to put them in the NICU. They do this thing called, there's a proper word for it, but it's kind of like a cooling. um, They put a little cooling suit on on the baby. So that kind of cools everything down. It kind of, I suppose, freezes his brain to stop any brain damage. He was was doing really well. She goes, we weren't even going to do this, but we're just doing it as a precautionary. So that kind of... um, Gave me a bit of comfort as well. But, you know, you're still, I was kind of still thinking, oh God, what if this happens? What if that happens? I said, is he okay? And she's like, he's fine. You can go up and see him soon. Um, she said, just when you're kind of a bit more, because I was in and out of sleep as well. I was kind of going, I was waking up and I was going, oh my God, I fell back asleep. But Peter was still there by my side. Like he was saying, yeah, it's all right. Like you can fall asleep whenever. But um, he went, they said, did Peter want to go up and see him? I said, you go up and see him if you want to. I said, I got hope. I can go up soon. I was like, you go up and see him. I'd rather somebody be with him now. Like, so he went up, took a couple of pictures and sent them to me. Um, he was all like, you know, covered up in that suit, the, the tubes and all that kind of business on him. So like it was, I don't know, it's upsetting to see um, your, your baby like that. You know what I mean? When, when you kind of had this kind of tie in your head like of I don't know I was so naive and natural Bert you know he's going to have that golden hour he's going to be on me all that business and it was just kind of taken you know all in a second um but yeah he was there he was there for uh eight days no ten days he was there for ten days but you know it was I think was the first couple of days were hard because you weren't we weren't allowed to take him out. He had to be cooled for seventy two hours, then warmed back up gradually. Um, for I think it was fourteen hours. Then they warm him back up. I say I say that as if he was freezing. He wasn't like freezing cold when we were touching him. I was able to put my hand in and touch him, but I just wasn't able to take him out. So um. Then he was he was in the kind of I don't know what do you say the more serious kind of part of NICU and then taken out to the to the other part where there was there wasn't as many wires and stuff on him so he was taken out there and then 
that's when we were able to hold him. Sorry, he went over to, he actually left the hospital before me, before I did. He went over to Hollistry for an MRI on his brain and that all came back. Today I was able to hold him and feed him. They actually gave me the news. They said that that scan came back. Everything's fine. Like, it was so, like, brilliant. Like, I can't tell you how happy I was to hear all that. And then when he was actually in my arms, it just all felt real. I was like, oh, yeah, so, like, he's mine. It was weird. I don't know if anybody else, maybe Mm. that's listening. When you have a C-section and you're under the general anesthetic, like, before that, you're pregnant. When you wake up... Your baby isn't there. I kind of felt, I think for a good couple of weeks after, I kind of felt like I was still pregnant. I don't know. Like I was still gone off the same fields. It was just certain things that I still felt like. I was like, this is weird because there was kind of like that disconnect. You know that way? Um. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then breastfeed, I did want to try breastfeed and I said, I'll give it a go. I don't know. I was like, because you weren't able to do kind of the proper classes, it was kind of hard to understand what was going to happen. So I was expressing while I was still on the ward. I was on the ward with other women that kind of had their babies in the, the NICU as well. And that was, it's it's nice to have other people there, but it's still difficult when you're in a, a baby hospital, kind of like, and there's no babies on the ward. No, in, in fairness, Peter, when we were when we when I had just woke up and we were going to be moved into a ward, Peter said, "Is she going to be in a ward with all other babies?" And they were like, "No, no, we we were not. That's cruel. Like you couldn't do that to her." So, um, I was trying to express while I was down on the ward, but like to breastfeed and have that milk supply come in, you have to be holding your baby. You have to have that skin to skin. Like it was near impossible to deal with. Then the amount of drugs that I was taking, they they were putting like shots into my leg for blood clots to to prevent blood clots. And um, you were getting like painkillers every couple of hours. So looking back, like at the time, I was really hard on myself, saying, "Why isn't it open? Why isn't it open?" Looking back now, I'm like, "Was it ever going to work? Like how mm. how could I have done that when mm. I didn't hold you me to like." day three day four um yeah so that was kind of a no-go and then the, the nurse actually up in the nicu said look we're going to try and with a little bit of um formula do you mind because you're not really expressing a lot like i was still getting that little one mil um you know those little syringes that they give you i was still getting yeah. day three and they were going like that's just not enough for them um so I said, yeah, just give them the formula. I don't mind. Like, I, I was kind of open to it beforehand anyways. Um, so can I ask how you felt? Like, it was, that's... It was crazy. I'm going to take... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there's loads to process there, even as a like as someone who's listening yeah, to your story. I just remember then that evening, um, I said to Peter, like, think of... I can't think of what happened. And he said, what do you mean? I goes, like, I cringe. You know, like when you get, I don't know, like a secondhand embarrassment for someone. It was that feeling. I was like, I feel embarrassed. He said, what do you mean? I goes, I don't know. It's a horrible feeling that I'm getting when I think of what happened. And he was like, yeah, because like it was whatever. Like, look what happened to you. It was bloody traumatic or whatever. And I was like, right, right, right. So, um, and then the nurse that, uh, the, the, yeah, the midwife that broke the water came in that evening to me and she was like, Jem. And I was looking at her going, I know who we're facing. And I went, oh my God, it's it's you. And I said, I I I broke down. I just said, I'm so sorry. And she goes, what have you got to be sorry for? And yeah. I was like, I don't know. It goes for screaming. And I goes, those are the, those are the people on the ward must have been like shocked. I goes, like I was trying to. Like, you're, you're trying to be all relaxed and stuff, and there's me, like, screaming at the top of my lungs and whatever. She goes, no, like, Jen, you don't find. She goes, the, the girls didn't even realise. One of them said, she goes, she was um, asleep. She goes, she thought she was dreaming. I said, oh, okay, fine. So, yeah, like, those days were, like, they were the hardest thing I think I've ever done, ever. Like, mm. but you just kind of get through it. I don't know, like, because you have a baby there that's counting on you, I suppose you're just, like, you have to get through it like and then with Peter as well it's 
it's just good to kind of be there for each other as well um yeah and when did you go home I had to so I was there from Saturday the 5th I left the Saturday after and that was kind of putting up a fight as well because they wanted me to go I think was the Thursday or Friday and I was like I don't want to I'm not going without Jimmy like I was like I'm not leaving and they said look we have to you have to go home but the ward wasn't busy that I was in it was me and another girl then at, at by then and I was like but it's not busy I I, I need to stay here it goes because at the time then so Jimmy could come out of the incubator that he was in and I was kind of doing a little bit of breastfeeding and he was latching he was latching good but to this day I actually don't know if he, if he was getting much milk but I just know that if he was with me it would have worked because mm. expressing just wasn't working for me I was hand expressing it's hard work I was sweating and it was just awful you're in again unfamiliar surroundings there's there's nurses coming in and out constantly checking on you and you've got a boob out you're like Jesus, I just need a bit of peace, you know. Mm. Um, so that was another thing. I was like, he's not, he's feeding while I'm breastfeeding. I said, so can I not just stay? Because when he was using the bottle, he was spitting all back up as well because he was being fed through a tube for the first couple of days. They said, oh, he's not going to get the hang of a bottle for a couple of days. So I was worried leaving him. I was like, oh God, he's going to be spitting up in the incubator. Nobody's going to be looking at him. What if this happens? What if that happens? So anxiety was very high when I was leaving. Um, so I had to go a week later. That was a full seven days that I that I stayed in there. Um, but when I was leaving, they said, look, he's not going to be here too long after you. Like, he's doing really well. Um, just, you know, we'd be out a couple of days after. So that kind of kept me going as well. Um, trying to think of... You probably went home to a house full of, full of cards and... Yeah, I did. It, like people were dropping me up stuff as well. It was so nice. Like people were dropping me up like little letters, and I picked them on, on the on the incubator with Jimmy and stuff. But um, I went home then to Peter's man's house, and I was I was actually still trying to express. And I don't know. Again, you're you're in a kind of a room, and say like, Peter's man was popping her head, and do you want dinner? And I'm like, say. I know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah and then his dad there as well I couldn't actually just go I'm gonna pop upstairs or whatever um so that was yeah it was just awkward you know but like I mean thankful that we had a roof over our heads like um it was great like to have to have there have them there as well but um yeah like I just remember leaving the hospital and I was kind of I was angry then at that stage I was like no none of this went the way I wanted it to go and that's when I kind of just started feeling I don't know just so hard done by it. and I was like and now I have to leave now without me talking like I was like the hardest thing I've ever done the hardest thing I've ever done like it, my mom passed away 15 years ago and I remember saying I'd happily do that all over again rather than leave the hospital without Jimmy I was like it's just an awful thing to have to do isn't it for any, any mother and even the people that have their babies in there for months, weeks, I don't know how they do it. Go in and out of mm. the hospital every day. There was a woman actually beside me and she lived down in Kelts and her baby was born, I think, I think he was born two months premature. He was tiny, yeah. but he was doing so well. But she said, oh, well, we, we have to leave as well. She actually left the same day as me. And so she was traveling up and down, up and down. And he didn't leave the hospital till like February. I was like, how is she, how did she do it? I just don't know. But yeah, amazing. Like, well, well, we do when we have to, I suppose. Um, and then afterwards, yeah, so Jimmy got out. Jimmy got out on the Tuesday um, after me. So I was gone the Saturday. He got out the Tuesday. And then I even still remember trying to express those couple of nights. I was waking up every three hours trying to express and still nothing was coming out and I just said right I need to be here for him I can't be stressing about this it's it because I was stressed like so stressed I was like it's just not gonna work so when he gets out I wanted to just give him me full attention I was like right I'm giving up 
and I just said and people were saying to me oh do, do you realize how hard it is to breastfeed anyway like without all that that you've just gone through and I was like no I was told it was easy you know people were going oh yeah the baby just latches on and it's easy so I was really really hard on myself about that and yeah looking back now I was like just there was no need to be but um he got out on the Tuesdays it was that kind of night I was told when, when we went up to visit him that Tuesday morning they said like are you ready to go like he he's going to be out today and the nurse was like no but are you ready to go like have you got his thing done have you got this done I was like I've got that done the last three weeks okay <laughs> just give me him I'm ready to go so um yeah we got all of our stuff together like paperwork whatever you have to do and yeah we left with him he was happy healthy he's still happy and healthy um we just had to go over a couple of things I think we had to come back then for a checkup I think it was three days later and then two days later to somebody else um but yeah it was just was how did the how was the first night at home when you could just like strip down and just be embedded him oh cool we she we knocked the door and I said that car seat is loose I goes I needed to uh I needed to 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 put in or whatever click in and she goes well and she ah. today <laughs> that's a good idea whatever oh. <laughs> no yeah it was still COVID times as well so I you know you you want people to see him but then I was like oh this is like ramping yeah. up here like I can't I can't afford for him to be back in hospital. I don't want people around him. So people were just kind of coming around, having a look at him from the door. And it's horrible. It's, it, it really was horrible having to do that because people must have thought I was mad. But Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And stuff, I was like, no, I just need him. I don't want to be back in the hospital anytime soon. So, um, yeah, we had a nice little... We ended up getting into our house on Christmas Eve then. Peter was working around the clock. Like Peter was like, oh, I'll just take today off. And because he was doing most of the work in here. He's like, I'll take today off and we can do something. And I was like, but there's nothing really to do. You're just going to be in the house. I was like, I'd rather you get the house done. As hard as it was kind of going, oh, like he's not here to help me. I was like, it'll all be worth it. Like I wanted him to kind of get it finished. Yeah. We moved into the house Christmas Eve. Now, there was still like the house was still bare, like there was no sitting room. It was literally a bedroom, but we had heating, electricity, working shower, working toilet. The kitchen was was usable, and um, we went back actually around to Peter's man's den for Christmas dinner. So um, yeah, it, it I mean it all worked out in the end, but it's like we took a detour all the way around to get to where we were. So um, yeah, and then he was doing a little bit of a uh, physio as well, but I think that's just. They do that for any child that's been in the the NICU. Um, they do, I think they do it for two years. No, sorry, a year, right up to a year. So I finished now with Jimmy there in December with, with um, physio. And it's just kind of seeing how, how he reacts to things, how he's kind of moving about, how he's climbing. And yeah, so he was, he, he's passed all of his kind of tests that he had to pass and yeah he's a normal little yeah, kid cool. now running around and yeah <laughs> and you how do you feel that you've do you, have you done anything to process things a little bit or kind of feeling and I was kind of going I didn't understand mm. why and I think when I was looking up stuff about cord prolapse the word you know like birth trauma kept coming up and I was like well what's that and I kind of googled into that and a lot of stuff came up for that and they said well these are the symptoms and you know it was night time for me like I'd be, I'd be awake anyway with feeding Jimmy but then I'd still kind of go over everything that happened and I was like right you just need to get yourself out of that mind frame but it's completely normal to feel like feel like that Even after any kind of birth like whatever you consider Trauma yeah. or that kind of left you a little bit anxious yeah like those kind of things can happen um I did do a debrief with the hospital they don't um okay six weeks later um I found that a waste of time an absolute waste they just told me everything I already knew they just went over a timeline of everything that happened now 
the thing that I took away from that was I said to them, oh, they said, well, what are you feeling? I goes, I just wish, I just wish I didn't take the induction. I said, because I felt like that led to what happened. Um, I said, because the weight he actually was then, he was six pounds, seven ounces, which is a fine weight. Okay. It's, it's fine. And when, when a midwife is telling you about a weight, it's a guess. You know, they don't actually know for sure what weight a child is. There's no way of guessing. Um, there's no way of knowing, should I say. Um, so the debrief, yeah, I said, oh, I just wish I didn't do the induction. And they kind of they kind of then said, oh, but what if uh, that happened and you weren't in the hospital? You know, like, basically, like, you know, they look, they did save Jimmy's life. Um, but I highly doubt that would have happened if I had it just went into birth naturally, went into labor naturally. Um, because the stuff that you look up about <laughs> cord prolapse, it's they say it's from mainly a, an artificial rupture of the of the membrane, and that's kind of usually what it comes from. Um, and yeah, I just I don't know. It's kind of easy to kind of say, oh, but what if, what if, what if? Um I've done another debrief as well with a girl on Instagram. Her name is um, Illy. I can't think of her second name. Illy something. She's her name is uh, mixing up motherhood, and she specialises in birth trauma. She was wife, and okay, she's a hypnobirthing teacher as well. But she kind of does debriefs now for people, and it was brilliant. Like from when I got off the, I done a Zoom with her too. Um, I just felt a lot lighter. Now, she was just saying, look, it's basically what she tells you. is like, you know, when you do get those feelings of whatever anxiety, like, let them come in. Don't fight it. It's all normal, like, to feel like that. Feel mm. bad for kind of feeling like that. And, you know, people around you just kind of mention it to them, say, look, there'll be days when I feel like this. Or that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like pretty good now because I'm after studying uh hypnobirthing as well I just feel like now I can kind of help other people as well I suppose and yeah I was going to ask that was my next question talk to me a bit about that and what your plan is yeah it's really exciting February and I went on a weekend course just two weeks ago um to get me cert so I got that cert um I'm still over. Congratulations! It's, 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 like, I've never, I never in a million years would have thought that I'd be doing something like this. Like, never. Um, so yeah, there's still so much that you have to learn. Like, I want to go over everything that I learned on that weekend as well before I actually go into actually teaching people for real. There's a, one of my friends that I was actually pregnant, and she said, "Do you want to do? Do you want to do it on me as a practice?" And I said, yeah, "All right." I said, "Yeah, brilliant." Practice or whatever. She said, "Right." Like let's let's start whenever you're ready to start. So I'm going to start that maybe this week where, and I'll just run through the course before see how we get on. Um, so yeah, like it's just I th- I feel like you'll never stop learning with such a like, yeah. No, you're so right. Many yeah, many avenues you can go down, and it's just yeah, it's a it's such a long a long thing to kind of learn. There's just so much to learn in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you so much for for sharing it's a, an important story i haven't spoken to anyone who has suffered core prolapse so it's really interesting to to hear your story i've looked it up and yeah I, yeah I don't know many people there's other things that you can um there's like a, it's called a cord something as well but that's just when the the kind of arm the baby's arm kind of leans on it but it doesn't really stop the oxygen and so yeah so I don't have an outro for you for this episode this week we were chatting and I didn't record the end of our conversation but I do know that Jennifer is happy for anyone to contact her so I will link her I have linked her Instagram page in the show notes if you want to get in touch she's more than happy for you to reach out with any questions about her story or just to chat in general as I know she has spoken to other guests on the podcast before 
So, as always, if you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to get in touch over the website, irelandspressstories.e, which I've linked in the show notes. Click on the Share Your Stories tab and fill out a few details. I'll get back to you as soon as I can to with a recording date. So I hope you all enjoy the week ahead. Chat to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.